Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, we can come. We're excited to be here tonight, Lord. It's always exciting to worship you, Lord. And so tonight, we just ask you to open our hearts and our minds that we would hear from you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, let me ask you a question tonight. Are you ready to have your world rocked? Wait, let me say that again. Are you ready to have your world rocked? All right. Now, you're, let me ask it again. Are you ready to have your personal world rocked? No, I know that's not yeah. yeah, I figured that much. All right. Now, are you ready to have what you believe? Listen up. Are you ready to have what you believe and what you think about love and dating and marriage be challenged? Now, listen. Some of the things, guys... Some of the things you've, you've learned by modeling, by modeling, okay? Some of the things you've learned by modeling of others or the culture or movies, music, TV about, let me, the big subjects, guys, sex, dating, and marriage. What you've learned through modeling and through all these media sources needs to be confronted and challenged. And, and are you open to renew your mind and attitudes and actions and bring them into harmony with God's plan for you? I'm asking you guys some tough questions, aren't I? But if you are, then welcome aboard. You're at the right place. Because we're going to be a do, doing a series on the dating game and marriage. And we're going to be covering some subjects that are very important and things that, that I've learned as a dad personally and as a grandpa and counseling young people for the last 10 years, seeing a lot of tragic situations, seeing some awesome situations. You know, we've been going through Search for Significance, the book. How many of you guys have been through it? Raise your hand. Awesome. What did you guys think? All right. It was, it was life-changing for all of us. Do you guys remember the story in the book of the girl named Jackie who had to have a boyfriend to feel good about herself? Do you guys remember that story? Guys, if you haven't gone through search yet, we want you to do the search camp at some point, okay? Um, just so you know, Jackie is that girl in the book who has to have a boyfriend all the time. And when one of her friends finds out that she's without a guy... He had made a bet with her a long time ago that once she was guileless, as it were, okay, no BF around, you know what I mean? So once she didn't have a guy, he bet her she couldn't go six months without dating another guy. And he raced to her house with, in his car because he knew as soon as word got out at school that she was free, every guy would be hitting on her, calling her on the phone because she was the popular girl. And you know what it takes to be popular in some schools. She was popular. And so, but she took that bet. And we read about in the book how God changed her life as she learned who she was in Christ and why she didn't have to let her fear of failure, her, her need to succeed, her, maybe her, her need for approval and love, that she could find all that in Jesus Christ. And she didn't even have to let her shame and her guilt run her life. Some of you here tonight, maybe your parents wanted you to be here. Maybe you came on your own. 
because I'm seeing some new faces, but we want to welcome you guys. But you need to know something. The Bible says clearly that for those of us in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. And if any point along the way you're feeling condemned, that's not my fault, just so you know. Because the Holy Spirit will convict you. But when you come to Christ, you're not under condemnation. And there's going to be some changes taking place, we pray, for each person here. And, and maybe even for some of the single parents that maybe are here. That, that you're going to hear some things that hopefully will, will affect your life. What about the guy who always has to have a girlfriend to feel good about himself? You know, I was sharing in the White Mountains uh, about this, and some guy afterwards, it was his first time at church ever at that church, and his mom, he was 16 years old, his mom and his little sister were next to me, and, his, and he goes, Mom, Mom, this guy nailed it today. He nailed me. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I'm that guy. I've never told my mom this, but I'm the, I have to have a girlfriend to feel good about myself. And his little sister looked at him and said, but I love you. And she just hugged him right there. You know, so many times we try to find who we are in somebody else or we seek their approval. But really, as you learn, as you go through the search camp, and I hope every one of you will, that's our goal for the West Campus, every student to have an opportunity. You learn that who you are is who God says you are and his unconditional love for you. But think about this. Is that what dating and marriage are all about? Feeling good? You know, it's all about feeling good. And what happens when your feelings change? Have you ever asked yourself, why is there so much drama surrounded around dating? Have you ever, you probably, have you, has anybody ever asked that question? Raise your hand. All right, some of you are thinking, okay? But, but it's a funny thing, isn't it? When you're in the middle of the drama, it's like, I just can't believe he's going out with her. What is something, what? I'm prettier than she is. I don't understand. You know, I'm so much nicer. Just shut up, will you? I'm just so much nicer, you know? I mean, it's like, it's totally like that, isn't it, you know? And, and how can people, get this one, figure this one out. How can people be in love? I just totally love her, man. Like I'm giving my whole life to her. You know what I mean? Like, like we're everything. And then, and then in one minute, right? And then the next minute, it's, I don't love her. Adios. You know? How can that happen? You know? Stop calling me. Leave me alone. Why are you looking at me? You know? It's like totally, it changes. Have you, who's noticed that? Raise your hand. Okay. You're, you're paying attention. And why are over 50% of marriages today falling apart into divorce? Why? Why did it change? And why do most people who remarry a second time after divorce have a high rate of divorce, the highest rate of divorce overall? And, and here we go. Sorry, I'm going to use the word. And what about sex? I mean, like in some public schools, like they tell you, if it, and I did a little bit of research as I was doing this, and I had to just keep turning my Google off because it was, it was disgusting. It was absolutely disgusting. If they're teaching you the stuff I saw on, on Google video, you're, they're lucky Grandpa Pooey isn't in their school. That's all I can tell you because there would be a lot of Pooey going on. All right? Listen, it's true. But, but if, if it's natural and okay for teens to have sex like they tell you in school, why do sexually active teens have, number one, a high rate, higher rate of depression, very high, by the way. They have a higher rate of suicide, again, very high. 
they have really low self-worth and self-esteem, and not to mention the highest rate of disease. And, and as I've been, and I have a degree in health science, and I'm not going to get that graphic with you guys. I worked for an industrial medicine doctor that wrote a book on sexually transmitted diseases, but I will not get into that very much during this discussion. If you're interested, talk to me later. But maybe the missing equation, guys, maybe the missing equation, or for that matter, the missing person in all this dating drama and everything and marriage drama is God. Is God. Let's, let's face it. Our culture has, for the most part, besides the wedding ceremony, pushed God out of the picture when it concerns our behavior and lifestyle concerning dating, sex, and marriage. It was my little wake-up call as a pastor. Ken, you probably can relate to this. You're doing weddings, and you're like, you do this counseling thing, and then you meet the people, the real people, and you're going, I remember one wedding I did when I showed up and the cops were outside. And I knew there was trouble. And then the, the partying was flowing. It was like, I was like, I, it was an outdoor wedding. And I felt like I was in an outdoor bar and grill, okay, in Mexico. And it was out of control. My cerveza, por favor, ande. I'm like, the, we, have, we have an hour to the wedding and they're drunk. I'm like, oh my gosh. So you know what I did? I started sitting down with every little kid that was 10 years old or younger that wasn't drinking a beer. I sat down with every one of them and started sharing the gospel. I said, I can't, I'm gonna, I, I'm, this, is, this is not gonna happen here. Preach the message, right? And the storm clouds start coming in. And I'm, I preach the gospel and the Lord's like, you need to leave and you need to leave now. I just knew it in my heart. Got out of there. I guess after I left, a big storm came and knocked everything over, right? And then the police came because the bride and groom got in a fist fight after the wedding. Now, I don't know how they train us, uh, trained your pastors, but that's how they train us in Calvary. They say, go do this wedding over here. It's like, huh? Well, I don't do that anymore, by the way. I do pre-marriage counseling now, okay? And I'm telling you, it's crazy out there. But talk about reckless behavior, guys. If you can, you want to kill this, kill one of the lights, kill that light in the back. It's right over there. Whoever's got, whoever's in that seat, man, you're in the light slot right there, right there. Stand up. Purple beanie. Yep, kill the light. There you go. All right, here we go. Keep going. You guys, you got, you got to move ahead. Next slide. Good. Good. Next slide. Guys, how about this? How about, how about careless dating? What about careless dating? Would you ever answer your cell phone while driving a motorcycle? What do you think? Let's see. Good. Throw it up there. All right, you can skip ahead. I just thought it was a cool video. Anyway, but really, when you think about it, isn't, isn't that what, what, how kind of we do the dating and, and relationship thing? It's like, it's like careless. It's haphazard. There's no, there's no thought into it or plan, you know? And, and I mean, like, who does that? Does anybody here do that? Don't, don't answer that question. Okay. 
It's careless. But what about our relationships with one another and what God has to say about these important subjects of relationships and sex and marriage? The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 4, kind of our theme scripture, I didn't throw it up there, but the mar- marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. That's, that's God's, as we've been going through the book of Hebrews, that's what it says in Hebrews. Hebrews 13, 4, you should get it tattooed, okay? Marriage should be honored by, I'm sure no parent is, marriage should be honored by, and the marriage bed kept pure. God will judge the adulterer and the immoral, right, you know? And, uh, and so, seriously. But, you know, I was looking through some of the things about the problems with dating, and, and this is pretty harsh. And, I'm, and if you guys know me, I'm not legalistic at all. But, but, but the, you know, but it's really come down to this for many people. A guy named Nathan Bailey com, uh, completed this survey and, and made a list of all the problems with dating. I'm just going to read a few. He starts out, he says, why do people feel so strongly about these issues? Because the dating game is such a dangerous game to play. Whether you are the predator or the prey, you're quite likely to be hurt by the recreational dating scene. Some may come out unscarred from the pit of snakes, but is that any reason to walk through it? And then he says this, dating promotes lust and moderate sexual activity, opening the door for fornication. That's any type of sex. Let's define sex straight up. It's called it, I-T, inappropriate touching, okay? All right? Dating develops a self-centered, feeling-oriented concept of love. Dating creates a permanent endorphin bond between two people who will not spend their lives together. And I'm going to talk about that, having the neurological background. We're going to talk about this one. Dating teaches people to break off difficult relationships, conditioning them for more divorce than marriage. Dating creates a standard of comparison by which mates are first chosen but after marriage rejected. It creates an appetite for variety, change, creating dissatisfaction within marriage. I mean, I wish I would have seen this when I was a teenager because I was the guy that every two weeks, got to get a new one. Two weeks. Like changing socks, baby, every two weeks. No, I didn't do it that little. You know, some guys do that. But, you know, I'm seriously, dating for many guys and for many gals is like that. But dating can cause many problems. It creates an artificial environment for evaluating another person's character. In other words, it's like you're totally, oh, I don't do that. Yes, you do. Why'd you lie to her? It's like, ah, man, I just want to date her. You know what I mean? It's like, whoa. Dating destroys fellowship. You know, many Christians have been alienated and become ineffective in ministry and their Christian walk because of dating. How many guys ever lose a friend to dating? Raise your hands. Real high. So everybody can say, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Dating tends to skip the friendship stage and goes right into the physical relationship for a lot of people. It creates an, an intimacy without even having a commitment. These are some pretty, I read this and I was like, dude, you are harsh, but, but we got to admit some of it's true. How about dating causes discontentment with God's gift for singleness? You know, God has a plan for you being single. We'll talk about that too. Now, does this have to be true about dating? Yes or no? Has it really come to this? And my disclaimer is this. I always give a disclaimer in dating discussions. Are you ready? This is my little lawyerese. So here we go. Anything I have to tell you, guys, you have to follow the commandment that says to obey your parents in the Lord. Now, in the Lord, 
But your parents are going to make a lot of decisions for you. And I'm not here to override your parents. I'm here to be an adjunct, to give you biblical principles, to help parents, and to give you things to think about that hopefully can change your life and your walk with Christ. Good disclaimer. Did I do all right? Okay, good. Now, the question is, how did we get here? How did we get to this point in dating? Well, we got to go back to the beginning, and that's what we're going to do right now. Genesis, the foundation. What was God's original plan and design? In Genesis 1, we see God creating the world, creating man. It's the big overview picture. In Genesis 2, we get the small details. Here's the details. Number one, the man and woman relationship called marriage. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 19, 6. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Here's how it goes. Remember, God created all the animals, created Adam, the first man. And the Lord said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And then if you remember the story, God, he had all the beasts of the field come before Adam. There was no helper suitable for him. Yes, the animals are special, but, but not, not special enough for man. But man had no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a man from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Guys, God created man in his image and in his likeness, the Bible says. Man holds a unique place in this universe. If you think this is a baby story, I have a degree in health science. I was a physical therapist for 20 years. I hang around with doctors of evolutionary biology. One of them's coming in November. Guys, this is not a baby story. Everything here is medically correct because you can, with all the technology and things we know today, God just did it right. He took the woman. Now, now you need to know this. It wasn't an afterthought, this plan of man and woman coming together. This was God's original plan. He was showing man that th this is what I have for you. And it's, and it's really cool because, because Adam didn't have any part in this, did he? What, what did God have to do to the dude? to take care of this, to make, to make, yeah, knock him out, boom, go to sleep, bro. <laughs> it's like, I got this, let me handle this, you know? And then he creates woman out of his side. Man and woman are unique. They're, the woman and the man, they complement, they're suitable. They correspond to each other, made in God's image. Everything's there. And they were both naked, which means they were open. There was nothing hidden. They had fellowship with God that was uninterrupted, and they had fellowship with each other. They had a relationship. You see, if you know anything about God in the scripture, where it says the two become one flesh, God himself describes himself as a, as a triunity, that, that coming together, that word one is a plural oneness. God uses the same word to describe himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God has always been in intimate fellowship between the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And then he created man and he created woman. The two of them, male and female. Man, mankind, we, we use that word today to describe that. But, but there was a problem with this perfect environment, this perfect openness, this perfect 
complement. They fit together, different yet equal, complementing one another in fellowship with God, perfect environment. But sin then entered the world. And that's what we'll look at. Next slide. Sin entered the world. And you know the story. The serpent, Satan, came to Eve. And as a serpent came, and it represents the devil, one of the fallen angels who hates God and hates you and wants to destroy your life and tries to fill you full of lies. Well, when the woman saw, she saw the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, she saw that the fruit was good, it was desirable, she ate it. She took Satan's temptation and she acted on it. He said, you'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. And so then she gave it to her husband. He ate. And the eyes of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, and he said, Where are you? At this point is where man rebels against God's God's authority. God who made us and loved us. Satan tempted man, but, but man and woman both decided to go their own way and do their own thing. And when they did, it was when it says their eyes were open, they were what they were open to was sin. And soon it would be death and disease and destruction, and problems. I mean, let's face it. Sin is, as, as, as Raul Reese likes to say, sin is not just bad because God says so. Sin is bad because it is bad. It hurts you. And rebellion against God's plan is, and we see it right here, and it's about to affect their relationship with God and their relationship with the creation and their relationship with each other. And, then, and God's like, Adam, where are you, dude? Well, he didn't say dude, but where are you? And he answered, I, 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 I heard you were in the garden. I was afraid that I was naked, so I hid. And he's like, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree? And of course God knew. He was giving man a chance to fess up. But if you know the story, the first thing the man does is say, hey, it's that woman. It's that woman you gave me. I mean, she, she gave it to me and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? And the woman said, what was the serpent? And... Then the Lord God said the serpent and cursed him. And we see the first promise of the Messiah in Genesis 3.15 that, that someone would come and crush the head of Satan. And, but to, to the woman, he, he, he then God says, look, you're going to have pain in childbearing. And listen to what it says. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And to Adam, he says, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, which I commanded you not to, not to eat, it's going to be hard for you to make a living, bro. You're going to be working on the ground. You're going to toil and... It's going to be problems and thorns and thistles and by your sweat. And then one day you're going back to the dust because from dust you came. Well, here we see the fellowship was broken. They were able, God walked with them. They walked with God. But, but the core problem today is, is here because of what happened at the beginning. The core problem with relationships today, men and women at odds and both at war with God. Men hiding from God, not being honest and open, and fellowship that was once so open was, with God was broken. How about this? Now we have men blaming women. 
That, that happens all the time, right? And women trying to control men for security and love. Men not having a clue and being insensitive. Women trying to get their way by any means possible. Selfish, the flesh, the sinful nature has been released. Before it was all about what God said, and I call it God esteem or Christ esteem. But now it's all about self, isn't it? How I feel, what I want. And then death, I've been seeing a lot of that. Death, separation from God. But death in relationships, divorce, struggles, problems, it's all here. But now, guys, the good news. Fellowship and relationship with God restored. Next slide. By Jesus Christ and his resurrection. By the death of Jesus on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, those of you that took search camp, you learned a big word, reconciliation. God reconciled our relationship to himself. But, but that carries over to one another too, doesn't it? When we come to Christ, we become the new creation. God's spirit is now in us. We're born again. We're back into fellowship and relationship with God. And the New Testament, we will see, gives us all kinds of instructions on how to live in the spirit, and especially as all of this relates to relationships and marriage. But can I ask you a question? And let's be really honest. Why are Christians not getting this? Why, why don't we see Christian really? How many guys know Christian relationships that are, for a better word, in el escusado, which means in the toilet? Anybody see relationships like that? Yeah. Okay. Well, in search camp, we learned that there's lies of Satan that many of us believe and we, we take as our reality. We don't even realize it. And there's lies about sex. There's lies about dating. There's lies about marriage. There's lies about relationships. So Christian dating, many times, would you agree with me, looks like the world. Pretty much true? Okay, I wish it wasn't, but I'm the guy that counsels them, and I'm here to tell you it's true. And how about divorce? There's no real Christ esteem, is there? Well, I think the prescription number five here in our points is it's time to take God's word seriously. Most Christians have not grown up. There's some de debate about this, but Paul would call the, the church in Corinth. He says, are you not carnal? Are you not mere babes in Christ? Like, you guys are just like babies, man. You're stuck. But it gets really weird. Think about this. If you're still feeding a 50-year-old baby food, and you're changing his diaper because he refuses to grow up and stop being selfish. And, and Pastor Ken, would you agree with me? That's some of the guys we counsel in... <laughs> In marriage counseling, true? All the time. All the time. And so it is with us Christians at times. But who ends up suffering through all this? Guys, we do. And the body of Christ suffers. And the world doesn't get to see the witness for Christ and real Christianity. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've seen the change in some of you since search camp. Would you agree? Amen. And some of you guys, you're like, oh, we don't understand what this search camp thing is, man. We don't want to go anywhere near that thing. That thing's freaky, bro. We're going to talk about some tough issues. I ain't ready for that. But can I tell you what? Guys, if you don't grow up and you guys are the ones that are going to have to do it, I'm not sure we're going to make it through the next generation. 
it's time to grow up, and it's time to grow up now. I, hate, I know you're, you're just kids, but you got to grow up in your walk with Christ. We have a lot of fun here, don't we, guys? Okay, and I am not dancing with the Reyes boys tonight. I'm really tired, okay? So I am not, no, no. My back was out for a whole week, bro, after that, okay? But I'm telling you, we have fun. But, but guys, we take our relationship with Christ seriously. During this series, we're going to look at, number one, you can throw up the next slide, the dating game, the problems and God's solutions. We're going to look at that. Number two, we're going to look at who should I date or marry? Does God have someone for me? Or should I say it like this? Does God have someone for me? Does God have someone for me? You know? Or do I just keep doing what everybody else does and take my chances? Or how about, and the third point, we're going to look at the marriage merry-go-round and how to break the back of divorce by God's plan for marriage. And what about sex? And guys, specifically, I'm going to talk about homosexuality. But it really is a matter of the heart. And in Proverbs chapter 4, he says this, My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet. Take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Well, guys, we got a video to throw up here. So you want to, uh, somebody kill another light here? We'll go ahead and we're going to show a video. And I want you to meet somebody that we're going to talk to in the next few minutes. Go ahead, throw it up there. I'm here with Scott and Jackie here at the restaurant talking about your marriage. Can you guys tell me how much you love each other? Find out. Go ahead. Tell the camera. I love you. Uh, there's, there's a lot of love in this place right now. Brothers and sisters. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I was trying out my webcam. It was fun. <laughs> we were at the restaurant. So meet Scott and Jackie. How many guys know them? Awesome. Now... We're going we're gonna to ask them some questions here. So, how are you guys? Great, great. Hey. All right, cool. Now, the big question I know everybody wants to know is, how did, how did you guys meet? Well, we first met, um, honestly, just in the general sense. We met just doing what the Lord had called us to do, and that was, you know, being in ministry, loving the Lord. And um, we actually, she actually joined my worship team, uh, which was really cool. And and so that was really meet someone (laughs) join their worship team yeah so um i don't it's kind of funny because we had like that dating rule you shouldn't date while you're on worship teams so that was kind of weird how that transpired so it's fun but anyways no we we love it was funny we uh we met on a worship team and we just became really good friends before we were even uh interested in each other that's right how long you guys been married now a little over nine months a little over nine months wow it's awesome. Well, we gave Scott and Jackie a break after they got married. They took some time off to be able to get their house, their little nest in order and all that. But I, I can remember, you know, Jackie, do you remember? Do you remember? I met Jackie first in college group, really. We got to know each other. I was doing a series for the college students through the book of Ruth, and we really talked about relationships and dating. And, and I knew that, that I would prayed with her about someone in your life. Remember that? I was really discouraged at that time because I was kind of chasing after another guy. I thought he was the coolest thing ever, and he didn't even pay attention to me. And so 
I was like, Pete, I'm really discouraged. And he was teaching on the book of Ruth. And I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Ruth and Boaz, but um, Ruth is just in a bad time in her life. There's been a famine. Her husband has died. She returns to Israel with her mother-in-law and just is hanging out, working in the field when she meets her true love. See, so, and it's, that's, that's a good point. So you're so out there in the fields. Out there in the fields. And you know what's interesting is we look at the story of, of Adam. Who brought Adam his, his wife? Anybody remember? Who? God. That's right. So as you're, as you're working your field, as you're serving the Lord, God is going to bring the person into your life. And, and God did that for you, didn't he, Scott? You know, what drew yes, you guys did. together? What do you think it was? Jackie, I'll start with you. What, what kind of drew you guys together? Well, I think I first started to notice Scott's character. I noticed how he actually worked with you guys, with the youth, and how he just pulled out some of you guys and just kind of was your friend and mentored you. And I thought that was really awesome. I just loved how he shared the love of Christ with people. Awesome. How about you, Scott? Um, I think she's amazing. So, she's amazing, huh? No, it, it, I mean, just her character, just uh, the fact that, um, that she loves the Lord so much. And not only that, but she, she just loved uh, you guys, and she just exuded God's love uh, no matter where she went. And not only that, but um, she was quite the fireball as far as doctrine and teaching and everything. I was like, whoa, I kind of like that. That's, that's cool. I like that. So. Amen. That's awesome. Can you guys talk about, now you guys all have a card that I handed out to you. You should have the card. If you don't, um, we have a few more in the bag or they should have gone around. Jackie, and why don't you start with you. Talk about the five non-negotiables. Remember, we went through marriage counseling and actually I'm going to be teaching you some of the things that I teach in marriage counseling. I call them the C's of counseling and I actually have a marriage blog and I'll, I'm going to try to get a blog up for us that you guys can look at some stuff. But I have some stuff out, out there right now about marriage. And some of you guys out there are going, dude, why are you talking to me about marriage, man? Like, oh, oh, I don't understand why. You, can I tell you why? Because I wish my dad would have sat down like this with me, sat me on the couch and explained these things to me. I wish my parents would have done that. And I'm realizing that for some of you, maybe it's awkward for your parents or maybe you really don't do that. So I'm going to take you through what, what, what I do with my kids and what, what, I, what you guys are all like my grandkids. So I, I won't be your dad. God's your dad. I'll be your grandpa, Pui. But there's a story behind that. But you know, the five non-negotiables, talk about that and, and, and how that, like we talked about that in counseling. And it, did it have any effect during the counseling for you guys? So you remember the five non-negotiables. Yeah, I, the five non-negotiables is five things about your, your future spouse that, that has, to be, has to be dead on, has to be true, has to be right. And, um, it's five things that you will not negotiate while you're dating. Um, obviously, the first one, and I think any Christian should have this first non-negotiable, is that your other person should be a Christian. That's, I mean, that's given because what it says in 2 Corinthians 6, not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers, but defining those five non-negotiables before you get into dating is so key because what's going to happen is, is that you're going to start to look at different people around and you're going to say, well, well, they don't have this or, uh, or whatever, the, whatever your non-negotiables are. And um, I actually found out that um, my non-negotiable list actually grew beyond five, like the more that I got older. Because I was actually... Well, I, define I, negotiables for them. Explain that because it's kind of like legalese for us. Okay, so, yeah, sorry. Negoti negotiable is something like, does, 
does she roll her toothpaste this way or put the toilet paper this way or that way? That's a negotiable. Or does, does she have brown hair or blonde hair or does she have curly hair or does she, you know, whatever. I mean, those are, to me, those are negotiables. So those are things that, that are, shouldn't be a big deal, in other words. But non-negotiables mean things that you realize about who you are that you're not willing to change. Let me give an example. I'm going to pick on my son right now. Jake, everybody knows Jake. Anybody, you know Jake the drummer, right? Okay, let me give you some of Jake's non-negotiables. Number one, she's got to love Jesus Christ with all her heart. Number, and be born again Christian. Number two, she's got to go to church because that's where he is all the time. And she's got to love being in fellowship with other believers. Number three, she's got to love music. Now, we define this a little more specific for Jake. She has to love Jake's music because Jake plays the drums night and day, guitars, keyboards, harmonicas, anything that's musical. Could you imagine being married to a guy that plays an instrument 24 hours a day? Okay, she's got to love Italian food, and she's got to, you know, not, not that, but she's got to love to chill. She's got to love to chill. That was, in other words, he likes to just be mellow, hang out, and, and, and someone who's, who can have a deep conversation. Those are his five non-negotiables. Now, could you imagine Jake dating a girl who says, I hate your music, put away your guitar. Now, can I tell you something? When I was... When I was 18, I dated a girl like that, and I stopped playing my guitar for two years, and then she dumped me when I went to college. So why did I, I didn't know about not, there's things that aren't negotiable. So when you guys went through your non-negotiables, we saw that it was a really good match, and, there were, and then I, I also take them through the five things they love about each other and the five things they hated about each other so that we could teach them how to work through conflict and areas of sin and areas where they needed to grow. And as I've been doing this counseling over the years, and the C's that I have listed, I take them through. Number one, Christ. Number two, commitment. Number three, caring. Number four is, is dealing with communication. And the last C is conflict. So we go through each of these C's in the premarriage counseling. See, a lot of, as you notice, probably a lot of Christians don't know how to deal with conflict and they don't know how to communicate with one another. And those are some of the big areas where there's problems. But if you find there's no commitment to Christ, it's, it's very difficult to see commitment to the other person sometimes too. Or how about love? We're going to talk about love and caring as we go through the series. So, well, Scott, you were saying that, um, is it possible for people just to settle for anything in their relationship, second best even? Um, yes, it is. And I it actually, um, I have a personal example of that because I, I dated a girl a while ago. And uh, for those of you that know me, you know who she is. But, I mean, she was a Christian. She loved the Lord and, you know, and everything was great. And, and we dated for a while. And it got, you know, it, it was really serious. It was a very serious relationship. But God started to speak to my heart and say, you know, even though that this girl's a Christian and, and she loves the Lord, uh, there's certain things that she's called to do that you are not and vice versa. One of those things for me personally was ministry. And, and so I found out through that relationship that for me, one of my non-negotiables is for my, for my wife to be in ministry with me. That's a pretty tall order. Uh, but I found that out. That, and this, the crazy thing is, is that whenever I was in that relationship and God was speaking to my heart, which is really hard to do when you're in the middle of the relationship because your emotions are going crazy and and everything else. So God spoke to my heart and said, okay, Scott, you can still pursue this if you want to, 
But here's what's going to happen. I won't tell you what he told me, but it scared me. Because I have a heart, you know, for ministry to minister to you guys, you know, to do worship, to, to teach the Bible. And, you know, whatever the Lord wants me to do, that's what I want to do. But the Lord laid out for me a, a life that, that really was something that he had not put in my heart. Now, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. That's just something that the Lord had not called me to do. And so you guys have to make sure that, okay, are God's calling in, in both of your lives, are they going to complement each other? Are, they going, are you going to do it together? Now, you don't have to be in the, the same ministry, but do your characteristics complement each other in those ways? And so it is possible to, to settle for, for second best. And I, uh, I mean, she's a great girl and she loves the Lord and everything, but uh, I didn't want to do that. I wanted the Lord's best for my life because you can still do something that is, that is good, but it's not necessarily something the Lord wants you to do. And that was really hard. That was really hard for me to, because everything lined up. Everybody, you know, thought we were going to get married and everything else. I mean, but she was a Christian. She loved the Lord. She was involved in church, yada, yada, yada. But then it was very shocking to, for everybody to say that, no, they're not dating anymore. And it's, and it's really sad today. I mean, to be really honest with you guys, most people don't marry the person they date in high school. That's a shock to you. But you really need to know that because it's just the maturity level isn't there. You haven't worked through who you really are. But they're, not to say you can't do that, and some people do, but, but most people haven't really thought out, you know, do I want to marry a guy who, for example, how many of you guys know somebody um, who got married to someone who said, I don't want you going to church anymore. Raise your hand. Raise it real high so you can see it. Okay. How many of you guys ha have dated someone who told you they didn't want to go to church with you, raise your hand. Okay. And these are big things in your life because we've been learning in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 that God tells us one of the ways we, we prevent drifting away is staying in fellowship with one another and, and loving one another. So now, Jackie, you had something on your heart you wanted to share about Daniel, uh, the book of Daniel. So why don't you share that with everybody? Well, it kind of relates to purity, but relationships as a whole. Um, Daniel, if you remember the story of Daniel in the Old Testament, he was carried away when Israel was taken captive and carried over to Babylon. And he was, he was a smart guy and wise and handsome, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 1. Um, but the king asks him through his servants to eat of the food that uh, the king provides, which wasn't, wasn't kosher, it wasn't clean according to the law. And Daniel could have just gone along with it. He was in the Babylonian culture. Everybody else was doing it. Um, but it, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 1, Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. And that really struck me in my single years and in navigating these waters that can be really confusing and emotion-filled that ahead of time, determine in your heart how you're going to serve the Lord. Determine in your heart not to defile yourself before the Lord. By putting, putting together in your mind these list of non-negotiables, by deciding where you're going to go in terms of purity, physical purity, and, and, and setting know, those lines ahead of time. Defilement's a strong word. I need to define it. A lot of kids maybe don't understand that word. Defilement is the best. <laughs> I mean, I'm an Italian kid. I always describe it like this. It's like putting peanut butter on Grandma Tony's spaghetti. That would be defiling the Italiano. I'm telling you right now. Right, Steve? <laughs> that would be evil. Okay, defiling is something that, that, that he's not going to corrupt himself 
And, and, and you know, talking about Daniel in the book of Daniel, it, it's a young man who's carried away into captivity through very hard circumstances. And can I tell you what? I've been to some of your high schools, okay? I've been in, like I always describe, the pit in Choya where everybody's all over each other and, and no teacher will walk in there. Um, I've seen the cuddle puddles. I've seen the, you know, whatever else you want to call it. I mean, all the stuff that's happening in your generation that parents don't know about. And, and, and today you have to purpose yourself, even opening up a, a, a picture message from somebody. How many of you guys have received a nasty picture message? Raise your hand. Okay. It's happening all over our schools. And, and so we as believers, we have to have a plan and a purpose in what we're doing and come in line with what God says about this area of dating, marriage. Otherwise, you're just going to go the way of the culture. And, and the way of the culture is not looking good these days. So the odds are, if you go to the way of the culture and the way most Christians are going right now, you will be, 50% of you will be divorced. And that's just the statistic. And for Christians, it's actually higher. We are justifying the way we live and we're not following God's standards. Now, Jackie was talking about the non-negotiables there. And you have the cards. So next week, we're going we're gonna to move right into the lies the culture tells us about love, sex, dating, and marriage. So we're going to talk about those lies next week. But you've got your cards. Can we turn the lights on really quick? Because I think we're coming to a close. Um, if you have a pen... And you just, and you're in, you guys are all next to each other. You want to just talk to your friends you came with, maybe a parent. Um, you know what? I don't know if we're out of time right now. What time is it right now? Huh? 8.26. Oh, actually, we have five minutes. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You know what? I didn't get a chance to tell you. You know what? Here, real quick. Can you tell them when you first kissed? On our wedding day. On our wedding day. Did you hear them? Their first kiss. Listen. On our wedding day. Yeah. I mean, you were, you were talking about defilement. Again, did you want to go any further with yeah. that? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that, I mean, we. this is just as a disclaimer, I mean, I, I think it was a good idea um, for a lot of people to not kiss until their wedding day. And here's why. I mean, it may sound a little legalistic. And if God doesn't lead you to do this but you're, and you don't fall into sexual sin, God bless you. But here's the problem. Where do you draw the line physically? If, if, you, if you don't kiss, it's not going to lead into other things, um, you know, obviously. So we felt and we were praying about whenever we started dating that, we don't want to kiss until our wedding day. And it was a good thing, too, because there were times whenever we could have been severely tempted, even in public places. And we'd have been like, whoa, wait a second. But because we had both promised and also promised the Lord, like, no, we don't want to do that. We don't want to kiss each other until the day of our wedding day. It really helped us out a lot just to keep things pure. And For me, I had had a boyfriend before, and we had kissed. And Scott had never kissed anyone. And for me... It was such a blessing to me to know that even that he'd saved for me. Um, so that was cool. And again, we don't, if, if some of you guys, I know some of you here in a crowd this size, some of you have been sexually active or maybe things have happened to you in your life that you wish didn't happen. We're not, nobody here is condemning you. But we are saying this, there is a new start in Jesus Christ. And, and taking, and, and purposely 
looking at your card and saying, you know what, I've got some non-negotiables. As believers, there's things God, and if you're not sure how to fill that out, bring it each week, because we're going to go through that. We're going to have to, we're going to wrap it up in a second. You want to say something? One more well, time? I was going to say, you, because I have my promise to you, 835, yeah. I promised. That's when we finish up, so but I go ahead. Want, yeah. Did you want us to tell them our non-negotiables? Well, yeah, if you want to go ahead and tell them your non-negotiables. Did, did you guys want to hear our non-negotiables? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. You want to go first? Ladies yeah. first. Um, non-negotiable number one was that he loved Jesus with all his heart. It's not just enough that they go to church with you. It's that they have the same passion for the Lord that you do because you want to be running at the same speed. And number two, I wanted to be with somebody who was wiser than I was. I wanted to be able to respect my husband and not feel like I was always right. Um, we are called as women to submit to our husbands, and that means that we need to choose somebody that we're prepared to submit to. I, I trust Scott's judgment. Um, number three, I really wanted to be with somebody who was a teacher or a leader of other people that, that other people could say, wow, that's a man of the Lord. Um, and number four, I really hope to be with somebody who loved to worship, uh, cause that's important to me. And number five, I wanted to be with somebody who was open to having children because that's something I feel that I'm called to do. And I wouldn't want to be on, on a different plane on that area. I mean, that's a pretty important thing. And, and what was number five? So it was kids. So um, no, my first non-negotiable, obviously, is that um, she has to love Jesus with all her heart. And, and at times, I even prayed that, that she would put me to shame um, in her relationship with the Lord. And so it's this constant encouragement back and forth uh, in your relationship with Christ. The, the second thing was that um, she had to, to love music and love worship music. And um, I prayed that there would be some, somebody that I could worship with. And, and that we could lead worship together. Uh, so that was really cool because she's got an amazing voice, and so she's amazing. So, um, and they have a music studio in their house. Yeah, we have a studio yeah. in our house, which she's okay with, which is amazing. So actually, it's funny. Pete told me that whenever, um, whenever I put the studio in my house, he's like, that's the sign. If she's okay with that, that's your sign, I guess. And what? it's okay to walk around the keyboard. Yes. <laughs> and in case you guys think, you know, you heard Jackie talking about submission. By the way, she is an, she's an accomplished lawyer, right. just so you know. Okay, yeah. so, I yeah. mean, she's, not, she's no lightweight, trust yeah, me, yeah. okay? Yeah, um, let's see, number three. Number three was that she had to be uh, intelligent and also just that real go-getter type mentality. Um, and I yeah, I got that one. So, I mean, because we run at incredible, crazy speed. I, we call it ludicrous speed. We run at ludicrous speed. So, I mean, if somebody's not running at the same speed that I am, I mean, I feel like I just leave them in the dust. And uh, there's, time, there's times where um, I just keep on pressing forward, have a bunch of energy, and she doesn't. And then, and then she presses forward, and I'm just like, whoa, wait up, wait up. But, you know, so that was one thing was that uh, we had to run at the same speed and, uh, and number four. Oh, yeah, number, is that number, is that three and four? Or that's four, yeah. I actually had like 10 non-negotiables, but... Uh, that's pretty good, though. That's pretty good. So it gives you an idea of, of where we're going to go, because what I want to do is take the last few minutes okay. before we break more. up. Do you have one more? Do you have a couple more? Yeah, it was just one. Go ahead, one. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, that, she, that she loved kids, um, that she loved just not only, you know, babies and toddlers and, and all the way up through uh, junior high and high school, but she just loved kids just in general. And because uh, that was a big thing, there's some people that don't that don't, and um, even Christians that don't that don't necessarily have a great love for that. But she loves kids, 